brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Intelligent. Conservative. The answer. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show, Hour 2. Coming up, we've got Jesse Jane Duff, who's going to be here. My favorite gunnery sergeant, former USMC. And look, she might be in the reserves, but I don't think so. Anyway, she's absolutely brilliant. She's ultra MAGA, that Jesse Jane Duff is. And she's going to be here to talk about Mark Esper, former Secretary of Defense, and whether or not... He's really violated the chain of command to the point of being treason under the U.S. Military Code of Justice. So you're definitely going to want to stay tuned to hear about Jesse Jane, to hear that interview with Jesse Jane Duff. Speaking of national security, though, some interesting, there's a debate that's been going on in the Republican Party about Dr. Mehmet Oz. Y'all know who he is. You know who Dr. Mehmet Oz is. Did you know who he was uh, before he ran for Senate skins? Yeah, and I wasn't a wasn't a big fan. You were <laughs> okay. Um, I've never been a big fan of his either. You know, I I never watched his show. I knew he had done some some stuff with Oprah, but at the point in which he became famous with Oprah, I really wasn't paying any attention to him. I knew that he did some segments with Sean Hannity, which ran me off of Hannity last summer because that's how far Fauci's hiney he was. But that's about the extent of what I knew about about uh, Dr. Mehmet Oz. Um, never questioned really. Um, the name Emmett, Mehmet, or wherever, where is he from? I'm, I'm the worst. You know, to me, if you've got dark hair, everybody's Italian. Where I, where, and where I come from in the South, like I was a rarity with blonde hair. Now, you know, as people become more transitory in America, it's different. But growing up, there weren't a whole lot of people with blonde hair. So, you know, I, I'm not good, in other words, at, at guessing somebody's ancestry, right? You know, um, Pretty much everybody had dark hair and, and olive toned skin where I come from. Well, comes, come to find out, he's actually, um, Turkish, which I would have never put the two and two together, like I said, cause I'm not good with that. So, um, okay. Well, no big deal there. He doesn't have an accent. So, you know, I'm just assuming he's Turkish American in the sense that, you know, uh, his ancestors kind of like, you know, my great, great, great grandparents on one side came from Ireland, right? Well, as it turns out, um, he's actually a Turkish, Turkish citizen. He actually served in the Turkish military and actually has an endorsement deal with Turkish Airlines. 
As others are pointing out today, including Trump's former national security advisor, Robert O'Brien, that it is unprecedented and would be problematic if he was elected to the U.S. Senate and received security clearances. And I can't say that I disagree with that assessment. I'm not aware. Have y'all ever heard of anybody who's a sitting member of the U.S. Congress who's actually a a, a citizen of another country? And I know that we have dual citizenship going on in this in this country, but I don't know if there's anybody that's that's currently serving in Congress and somebody who's voting in that other country's elections. That's a major problem for me, whatever country it is, but especially if it's a country that's got any element of radical Islam going on within, within its borders. And I know that Turkey at one point was considered to be the most secular and the most friendly in that area of the U.S., but this is still a problem for me. And I know that there's a battle now going on within the Republican Party, and I think actually Rick Grinnell might be on the side of Mehmet Oz because uh, no, I think that it was Mike Pompeo, and maybe you can research this for me quickly, Skins, but I think it was Mike Pompeo, former um, head of the CIA and actually head of the Department of State or the Trump administration that is questioning whether or not we should be going down this road. I think it, it I think that the it, and now it makes me question, well, you know, question everything about Dr. Oz and his motives and his incentives. He's not from Pennsylvania. Why is he suddenly wanting to run for office? And, yeah, I'm going to question anybody with any kind of ties to to radical Islam, especially if that tie involves being a citizen of another country that's got radical Islam in it. Yeah. Just a couple of days ago, Mike Pompeo has been questioning Dr. I, Dr. Oz's, excuse me, ties to Turkey after it was revealed. Yes. And I think Rick Grinnell. And so now I'm concerned about Rick Grinnell. I've had I, I've been on the fence about, about him for a while um, because I feel like he's he's a little too establishment for me. Uh, instead of running for office at a time in which we needed somebody to take over and take the reins back, we had the opportunity here in California to take this the, the state back from Gavin Newsom. He wanted to do, a, you know, do this, you know, um, long winded set up a pack and do all these studies about how to restore California. You know, these that just strikes to me of, of somebody establishment that just wants to get a lot of attention, raise money, and isn't really interested in really solving the problems and if you're not if you're not willing to question whether or not somebody should become a u.s senator while they're still a citizen of turkey having served in the military there we have every right to be questioning his motives and who who his, his allegiance is to me it's shocking that anybody would think this would be okay and this is who trump endorsed did donald trump know that Mehmet oz was currently a citizen of Turkey and have served in the Turkey's Turkish military. I think that's insane. This is all the more reason why I was back in Philadelphia last July with Larry, Larry Clayman's third continental Congress, met some amazing people in Pennsylvania. There are primarily all supporters of Kathy Barnett. Kathy Barnett went viral last week in the debate about with her comments about how she shared just, just really heartbreaking personal information that she was a she was the herself a byproduct of rape that her mother was 11 when her mother was raped and it went viral and it brought a spotlight to her as not just a byproduct of rape but as the true MAGA candidate in Pennsylvania as somebody that really could win and really go into the communities that are there to expand the Republican Party who better than her 
not some carpetbagger who's who's still a citizen of another country whose military he served in. What's he even doing here? Right. She talked about how she's the best person who is from that state, who's who's knows the state, knows the citizens and can go out into the community of the different groups that are there and bring people into the Republican Party and help restore that state. I think he's a plant. I personally think he's a plant. I think Donald Trump fell for it and needs to withdraw his support of Mehmet Oz. His own, Trump's own Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, who was the head of the CIA. And when the former head of Donald Trump's Central Intelligence Agency says this man should not become a U.S. Senator, why would Donald Trump continue to endorse? I think he, I think that Donald Trump at times allows personal loyalty um, to friends take precedent over. I think that, I think that that's, One of those things, like when you're in interviews and they ask you a question, you know, what's your greatest weakness? You always want to come up with something that sounds really good. You know, like, oh, I'm a perfectionist, right? Oh, and then they go, oh, that's so great that that's your negative, right? Because you're just going to be a stellar employee. Well, being loyal is one of those traits that is, it can be as bad as it is good. And I think loyalty led Donald Trump to keep too many people around too long. And I think loyalty to a friendship here has, mis- has, has led him down a path of endorsing the wrong candidate. I cannot get behind anybody for U.S. Senate. I don't care what other country you're currently a citizen of. If you're currently still a citizen of another country, you should not be getting security clearances. You should not be serving in the U.S. Senate. And particularly if you served in the military of that country. I'm going to always question your allegiance and I'm not going to trust you as far as I can throw you. Sorry. And I'm not going to be made to feel guilty for that lack of trust. The, this country is on the precipice of being lost forever. There was a time in this country where no way could even get on a ballot anywhere in the in this country for the U.S. Senate. No way. In fact, I think that might be a good question for Jesse Jane Duff. Gunnery Sergeant Jesse Jane Duff member of uh, Trump's uh, the Trump for Women Coalition back when he ran for office in 2020. She's going to be here in a moment. I invited her on to talk about Mark Esper and his book that he's out and what he describes in his book. Is what he describes in his book treason and violation of the chain of command? You'll hear from Jesse Jane Duff when we come back. 888-344-1170. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Andrea Kay, telling you like it is, all while eating a donut. The Andrea Kay Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea Kay Show. Joining me now is one of my most favorite people in the world, and not just because she's a gunnery sergeant from the U.S. Marine Corps, retired, and not just because she was co-chair of Trump's uh, 2020 camp. She was co-chair of the Trump 2020 campaign of Veterans for Chump, for not Ch- <laughs> not Chump, but Trump. Of course, I'm talking about Jesse Jane Duff, and she joins me now. Hey, JJD. Hey, good evening. How are you, Andrea? It's great to be back. Well, so glad to have you. You are just like such a little fire plug, just a little fireball, just to hear your voice <laughs> just gets me so hyped up. And, uh, you know, girl, when I started seeing these interviews with former Secretary of Defense Mark Esper in his book, it just started making my blood boil. And um, he came out today and said, I will never vote for Trump because he never put his country before himself. This man... 
sacrificed Ooh. his life, jeopardized a forty what billion dollar a year business, and that's not sacrificing self or country it's just it's really um unfortunate to see a former secretary of defense who had also served in the united states army uh who understands that if you're going to be truthful with your commander-in-chief to turn around and not be truthful with him and then publish a book that is essentially stabbing him in the back makes him look like the snake in the grass that he truly is it is one thing that you should not agree with uh, President Trump when you're serving with him. But this man literally admits that he did not want to resign because he felt somebody worse than him who would be more loyal, more loyal to President Trump could possibly replace him. That goes to show such arrogance that he is demonstrating. He was very duplicitous. This is expressed by Richard Grinnell, Rick Grinnell, who had been the ambassador to Germany and also had worked in the NSC, had also basically stated that when he, he said, this is a man that could lie to your face and not even blink, that he, when they wanted to move 10,000 more troops into Poland, that Esper's the one that resisted and pushed back. You know what those 10,000 troops today in Poland would represent? Probably not having the invasion of their Ukraine by Russia because it would have shown such a force of strength that was right there on the borders. Mark Esper essentially is such a major disappointment when you look at everything that has gone wrong with the United States military from the woke agenda that's going on right now, the failure to contain Russia, the breakdown in the discipline, in the president of, presence of General Miley and the Joint Chiefs of Staff, all of that has Mark Esper's name all over it. And it's tragic that President Trump at the time did not have those political instincts that you need to have mm-hmm. when you land in Washington, D.C. to understand that the swamp truly means that you will have alligators right there at your footsteps. And essentially, Esper should have been removed long before all of this escalated to him writing a book now showing what a spineless nabby is to go on 60 Minutes. <laughs> spineless nab. <laughs> I love it. Um, I, in fact, I think we have the clip of which I think it's clip number number seven skins in which he's talking about how I thought it was better off that I stay in the job than leave. Now, I know this question has come up. Uh, you know, why didn't I speak out at the time? Why didn't I resign? I addressed this in the first few pages of the book. It was the existential question, I think, for me and many others who served. Why did you go in? Why did you stay? And why didn't you resign? And in my view, it came down to this. At the end of the day, uh, I was serving my country. I wasn't serving the president or the party or a philosophy. I was serving the country, and I thought I was better off in the job than walking away. What strikes me about that, Jesse Jane Duff, and I'm the daughter of two Marines. I wasn't a Marine myself. But is there not a chain of command in this country? Is was He says, I wasn't there to serve the president. Was that not his job as a former military, but even now as the head of the Secretary of Defense? That was what he, literally what his job was, is to serve the president of the United States. But this is the deep state today. They feel like it is their job. They're, they see their job as serving the country, i.e. that they that uh, their ideology is and pushing their ideology is serving the country not actually doing the job for which they were hired 
Absolutely. And President Trump came out with a very strong, strongly worded rebuttal and essentially stated that he's the reason that the military had to succeed. He's the one that came in and started running things. He made sure that the military got the funding that it was going Mm -hmm. to get. He made sure that it was rebuilt. Uh, When you look at what Esper was saying, he basically was trying to say that anybody who came behind me might be more loyal to Trump. Mm -hmm. And Lord knows what would have happened then. What an arrogant, pompous, you know what, because, you know, would he have tolerated that type of behavior as a United States Army officer? I guarantee he would not. He was a top lobbyist for Raytheon. This is a man who had profited off of war on multiple levels. We now have a secretary of defense in who has also profited off of war, who had one point up to one point five million unvested stock at the time that he was testifying to become Secretary of Defense. And Elizabeth Warren barely pushed back on him to find out if that would be vested. And when you look at the deals that Raytheon has made with the Defense Department since his arrival, now, mind you, many of those deals were already in play prior to Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin getting into office. But to know that they could have or probably essentially did profit because of their contacts to Raytheon. I find it despicable because on one hand, Mm -hmm. you are making money off the destruction and death of American troops or our allies by the sale and arms of weapons. And when you are in the position, you should have a very unbiased approach that you are not looking at your coffers before you are out of office or even that mm-hmm. in which could profit your friends and allies who are back at Raytheon or Lockheed or any other defense contractor for mm-hmm. that matter. But Esper sitting here going on 60 minutes just tells me that he didn't have the intestinal fortitude. And I'm going to say, the cojones big enough to face what he disliked about President Trump at the time he was in office and have that engagement. Instead, he slithered along trying to quietly, quietly undermine the president of the United States. And in my opinion, that is an embarrassment and a tragedy because when they are in that Defense Department, they have to ensure that the president And they are aligned in what their efforts are going to be. Otherwise, don't take that position. I sincerely despise the people that have profited off of President Trump, allowing them to step into his graces and then turn around and deface him, degrade him and or betray him because if he made you something then you must recognize without him you would have still been the nobody that you were prior to getting in there and this is a man who is already quite wealthy off of profiting off of war and the arrogance of him to think that he is serving his country while undermining the president of the united states in my opinion is despicable and there's nothing in the uniform code of military justice that justifies that you don't do that you you take the order smartly you walk sharply and if you do not want to carry out the duties, you resign. It's that simple. Well, we're talking to Jesse Jane Duff, a gunnery sergeant, United States Marine Corps, which I'm sure you can tell if you're listening to her. Um, but yeah, I mean, to me, this is treasonous. And so I could be wrong. I could be overstating it. But to me, this is no different than um, um, the spying that's taken place. This is just a part of the expansion of the deep state. He's no well, different than James at- Comey and James Comey's book, you know, for a higher cause. No different than Alexander Colonel, oh. Ch- Colonel Chow Thief, who was spying and, and working with Eric Chimarella in order to launch some phony whistle Ukrainian whistleblower impeachment. It's just been one coup attempt after another by these deep well, state weasels. At, 
And look at even General Mark Milley, who was trying to give a heads up to China if Trump was going to <gasps> yes. attack or some type of undermining information that he gave the Chinese government. All of these folks seem to think that they were so much smarter than President Trump. One thing I will say. Many people don't understand President Trump because they have never, ever walked a mile in his shoes. And I know from working on that campaign that he is exceptionally strategic. He has built relationships that none of us ever can fully understand. And that the fact that he had to trust people walking into the White House because he was in unknown territory when he returns in 2024, which I predict that he is going to run again. These mistakes that happened on his first watch will not happen again because he has now learned that just because they smile in your face and shake your hand doesn't mean that they're honest brokers. And sadly, he trusted a lot of people mm-hmm. who had served in the U.S. military. And I, it breaks my heart to know that General Kelly, General Mattis, particularly Kelly, who, these were four-star Marine Corps generals, highly acclaimed generals. And then when you look at McMaster, who is even worse in the NSC, these were men that somehow, because of the stars they had acquired, maybe their Pentagon capabilities, maybe the mere fact that they were given so much authority without question, did not have the capacity of serving the commander in chief. It was quite mind boggling to me. It was up to them to learn how to work with somebody that was capable of making great strides to put America first. His agenda was America first. Everybody knows that. And Esper, for him to come out with these reprehensible claims, knowing darn well that he had the interests of the United States first is just despicable, in my opinion. Sadly, tragically, he's going to be another one that's going to go down into the sewage drain of those who could not make it and who will be forgotten because we will find those that can succeed and serve this country in a better way. Yeah, well, you know, he's probably going to make he's probably going to sell as many books as Jill Biden. So yeah, so that's why, you know, he's going on like all, making the rounds, even with Brett Baer, you know, who said, do you think Donald Trump is a threat to democracy? Well, what else can you conclude, Brett? Oh, remember the old days when we used to have like soap operas? It was like, you know, the, you know, the, that was the that was the victor from Young and the Restless moment. Um, it's absolutely shameful. The good news, I think, for us is that um, the the, the 75 million MAGA voters, no matter how many times, whether they're MAGA or the ultra MAGA, we know the real ultra deal. MAGA. Is that like ultra support hose or something? Or is that a new laundry detergent? I'm ultra MAGA. The new I'm and no improved. MAGA. I'm ultra MAGA. You are ultra MAGA, baby. Um, thank oh you for goodness. being here. This guy is, is is he's not going to sway anybody of the 75 million MAGA voters. And Absolutely not. We, we Everybody, the one thing that many of the Trump supporters are disappointed in is how many snakes in the grass did surround President Trump. And many people, I do understand, are reluctant to have the confidence that he would come in the White House and not do the same. But I can say this. This man has learned more than anybody that he has to keep his friends quite close. He knows who his enemies are. He would come in forewarned and forearmed because before coming in as a businessman, he was right for those to take advantage of their opportunity to undermine and try to establish the deep state and keep it alive and well the way they wanted to. 
President Trump is no fool. He will definitely come back stronger and better the second round. And I dare to say uh, being number 47, is that the number he'll be? Yeah, yep. number 47 will be a very heroic number for the nation because he will put America first. Well, um, yeah, I just want to say as a suggestion, since in, in various shapes and forms, you and people you know have his ear, what I would recommend he do is share that on the campaign trail. I think he could be a little bit more forceful in his rallies, talking about lessons that he's learned and he could actually even do kind of what he did when he was running in 2016 to where people were wondering well who would you put on the supreme court so he came up with a list here's who i would put on the supreme court and you know what he did it um going back to to, fabulous idea i think he should say here's who i would bring in here's the people i'm going to bring in from outside the beltway i'm not going to do another bill Barr, who was the og of the swamp to be my ag i'm gonna not going to take a mad dog mattis you know i hear i dare to say many people who want to be critical of president trump if they walked a day in the white house or walked a day into washington dc they'd be eaten alive they wouldn't stand mm-hmm. a chance it's very easy to be the right. monday morning quarterback of course i also dare to say this president trump prior to running for president of the united states was ultra very open-minded about abortion he had made comments that he was very pro-choice he had made comments supporting hillary clinton he had said a lot of things but people change. And as they get closer to the political realm and they understand the accountability factor that must go into it, it's nice to say that I met Bill Clinton. He's a charming man. Mm -hmm. But then when you've got to go into the White House and see the destruction that the Clintons caused, you're going to have a whole different look and different take. That was what President Trump did. He evolved into a man that recognized the destruction that many of the people had created in this nation. And he understood that life was sacred. It was no longer a billionaire speaking from New York City. It was now the head of the entire world, basically. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being here. I always feel so much better after Jesse Jane Duff comes on the show. She gets me fired up. She gets me hopeful for the future. And you take no prisoners, gal. And I and yeah. I just feel blessed to have you as a part of this country and as a part of the ultra MAGA movement, gal. Thank ultra you so much. Ultra MAGA. We had to get Joe Biden to know how crooked the doggone Democrats are because I think if President Trump had won, we'd still have the naysayers chomping at the bit trying to undermine. I think, you know, in all reality, I truly believe we had to hit rock bottom to understand how to climb out of this hole if we didn't get to the bottom of the hole there would have been people still digging us in well he's actually working to he's continued to expose some of the establishment from lindsey graham audios tonight kevin mccarthy and others i mean one of the great things about trump is he's revealing more and more and more continuing to this day reveal the reality watching his words a lot more carefully he's not going to come out and blast kevin mccarthy the way he would have been as a first year president he's a lot more quiet now he's a lot more stealth because he recognizes is that he can get who he wants in the Congress when the time is right. He has to position all the players, and I promise everybody he's going to get who he wants as Speaker of the House. Well, I don't doubt you for a minute. Thank you so much for being here, Jesse Jane Duff. Appreciate you. motivators, take the hill. All right. (laughs) We're going to take the hill after we take a tiny little break. More Andrea K. Show coming up. We're going to take your calls. 888-344-1170. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show. Anybody out there who's a fan of Tucker Carlson, can y'all tell me why he hasn't talked about the movie 2000 Mules? I mean, I've heard from Dinesh D'Souza. I saw, I haven't heard from him personally. It's not like he texted me, yo, AK. But he, I think he tweeted the other day that Newsmax is refusing to discuss 2000 Mules. Is there like a blackout right now on Fox News? 
This is supposed to be the guy. Y'all still watching Fox News because oh, Tucker, right? You Tucker fans out there, has he covered 2,000 mules? 888-344-1170 because nothing matters unless our elections matter. Troy's on the line. Caller from El Cajon. He wants to weigh in on elections in HR1. Hey, Troy. Hello. I've got now follow me. I'll make this as fast as I possibly can. Okay. Everybody better pray tonight, okay, that something doesn't happen in the Senate tomorrow. You know about the codifying that they're trying to do on abortion, right? Yeah. Make it federal. All right. Now, right now, they can't do it because the filibuster's in. However, right now, they think the number is 51 to 49 that they will not uh, override the filibuster. Here's your problem. Manchin is fine. He's going to vote against it. You've got two Republican senators who the Democrats said to went to and said, hey, we'll change the abortion bill so you will vote for it. OK, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. These two senators got huge contributions in their campaigns from guess who? Planned Parenthood. All right. OK, do you see where I'm going with this? Well, I see where you're going on. So, I, so let me see if I'm catching up to you here, my dear friend Troy. So, I, it's probably Susan Collins is probably one of them. That's uh, one of them. Yes, that yeah. is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that I don't know who the other one is. Yeah, I got this from from the show before you, Jay Seculo. Okay, Seculo okay. so is cool. He's usually on point. He's usually got some background scoopage. Exactly. He's got usually got scoopage. So we know we've got some squishy rhinos, pro-abortion rhinos getting money from Planned Parenthood. So that might get uh-huh. them to join with the Democrats to get rid of, rid of the filibuster only for the for uh-huh. the, to codify Roe v. Wade. But you're thinking that once they get rid of the filibuster, then they're going to go all in on drumroll HR1 to centralize the exactly. elections. Exactly. Because once they've got it through, they're not, I don't think that they're going to be able to pull it back and say that you can't have it unless 51 vote against, 51 vote against it. Well, it depends because they did do under, and I'm not an expert on how the Senate works. Mitch McConnell is, and I wouldn't put it past McConnell to be behind the scenes being cool with them getting rid of the filibuster to solid, to codify Roe v. Wade. But when they got rid of the filibuster for judge nominations for the Supreme Court, um, it was it mm-hmm. still is only for the Supreme Court. That's why they would have to do it now again, right? So I don't know. They can do it specifically for one situation, but they don't have to. Do you follow? Okay, so, so they've done it in the past just for one specific. Right. Well, although it wouldn't be, I wouldn't. I don't want them to get rid of the filibuster to codify Roe because the whole point of what that draft opinion is that so brilliant has nothing at all to do with the act of abortion for me. It has everything to do with the restoration of the U.S. Constitution and us being a republic of states, not a democracy or a centralized system of power where nine people in robes get to decide everything for the United States of America. Our founders, the beauty of of being a republic of states was, the idea was, and even taking it from the state down to the county, to the city, the township area, is that 
you would be in a community of like-minded individuals. And if, you know, you didn't like what was going on in your community and you thought there was another one, city, county, state, that better matched your values and how you wanted things done, you could move. Well, they destroy that when they centralize something like they did with Roe. And so what's so great about. So that's why it's like, no, if the and let me tell you, if any Republican goes along with the filibuster in order to codify Roe and keep this centralized, I think they can kiss. They should they should kiss their elected seat goodbye, because that should be 100 percent. Well, I hope you are 100 percent right on that. It's just for the one act. It's just my fear is that it's going to they're, course, right. they're going to take way more liberties with that. Well, if, and you're right on to be asking and thinking the second and third level implications because most Republicans don't. Right. That's how they went along with 14 days to flatten the curve. And, you know, you got to right, give up yeah. your rights with the mask yeah. in order to get your rights back because they actually were just thinking about the one little thing that's put in front of their face. And I think you're the first person to connect those dots and that they've been wanting, man, if they can get at H.R. 1 through, they know that they're toast going into these midterms unless they can find a way yeah. to steal it. And yeah. I think that could be the way, Troy, you might be you're the nominee so far for Hero of the Week. Stay tuned. We're not oh, going to wow. announce. Hey. We're not going to announce here of the week till Friday. So stay tuned. It just might be One your name. Thing. Yeah. Um, when you talk about the movies, it's very interesting. You should mention that because I was listening to CNBC. So I, I watch Stock Channel a lot, and they mentioned that Doctor Strange was the number two movie. They didn't mention the number one movie. Is it Two Thousand Mules? That's a good question. It might be. Uh, I don't know, though, because I don't think it's in that wide of a theatrical release. But what I find most telling is that Tucker Carlson has not mentioned it on his show. And he's supposed I, I to be Newsmax hasn't either. Newsmax. Well, Dinesh D'Souza has busted them on that. But, you know, the Tucker, the conservatives that love Tucker Carlson because he's the one guy who's, you know, taking it to the left on conservatism for him to not mention this blockbuster movie that documents the theft of, of the 2020 election should make all the Tucker Carlson conservative MAGA fans take a pause. Troy, got to leave it there because I got to take a pause okay. and go take a break. Thank you for calling in. 888-344-1170. Speaking of abortion and a win, wait do you hear about what happened in Alabama. I would say roll tide, but just because I like this story about Alabama doesn't mean I like the school Bama. Stay tuned. More Andrea K. Show coming up. FM 96.1 and AM 1170, The Answer. You're listening to somebody who tells it like it is. Andrea Kay on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea Kay Show. Before we share with you some really good news coming out of Alabama, I want to play this clip of this mother. It's a Colorado mom describing about something called a secret GSA club. One day, her trusted art and homeroom teacher invited her to stay after school for art club. So she texted us and we gave our permission. Of course, you can stay for art club. When she arrived in the classroom that day, she very quickly learned that it was actually GSA art club or gender and sexuality awareness. And her trusted teacher had invited in an outside presenter to speak with the children. Um, This presenter started with her number one rule. What you hear in here stays in here. 
She then brought out flags to describe different umbrella terms or defining words, as she called them, and how people feel under each of the flags. She explained to my daughter that if she is not 100% comfortable in her female body, then she's transgender. She then gave out flags, stickers, bracelets, and what she called the obligatory toys that kids love to collect everywhere I go. And she then proceeded to hand out her personal contact information to the kids, encouraging them to connect with her without their parents' knowledge um, by cell phone, by email, and by teen chat platforms like WhatsApp. Wow. Think about that. Misrepresenting what this art club is about in order to get the kids to go. Proceeding to indoctrinate them. Telling a kid, if you're not 100% comfortable in your body then you're transgender well what kid is 100 percent comfortable in their body right giving out their personal contact information you tell me how that that um that tactic those tactics the the way that this was done how is that any different than some 40 year old pervert pedophile trying to trying to get access to your kid and trying to move in and trying to groom them this is grooming there's no difference here. No adult parent, no adult. I don't care what part of a school they are. I don't care what kind of art club or anything should be giving their personal contact information to a kid. That is criminal in my opinion. Am I overstating this, Skins? This is- no, I mean, that's, it's pretty black and white. This has to do with sex. Has to do with the, the child's future, how they view themselves. It was probably deceptive, too. You know, they said, hey, you know, they asked the children if they want to stay for art class. Of course, the children say, yes, I'm interested. And they're almost surprised by what they find when they attend the class. Well, yeah, I mean, this is this is classic pedophile grooming technique to go up to the kids. Hey, kid, want some candy? Hey, kid, want to go to art class? Want some art class? Yeah, we'll have fun. Oh, so then the kid goes and texts their parents. Well, what parents going to go? Well, you can't. Well, now you parents need to know that if your kid texts you, can I go to an art class? You need details. You need to know, parents out there, exactly what any activity your kid is going to be involved in outside of your presence. You need to know details in advance before you agree, because your child could be put in a situation like this. And this parent's lucky that the kid came to them and said, here's what happened. Here's what this teacher said to me. Here's what this this teacher tried to get me involved in. This teacher tried to get me to personally interact with them outside of your presence. This teacher told me that my parents aren't safe. Kudos to Every, the parent. It means they actually did a great job raising their their kid. Right. Well, this parent is really lucky that this kid came to them because this parent made a mistake by allowing on the basis of no information but a text from their child to go to this art class. Let this be a warning. This is in Colorado, but this is happening everywhere in this country. Hat tip to our nominee of Hero of the Week, Kay Ivey. She signed into law in Alabama. Uh, it makes it punishable by up to 10 years in, p- in prison to provide puberty blockers, hormone treatments, or transition surgery. And this is needed because had this kid, how many, how many, I don't know how many kids in that Colorado art class never told their parents about it, think that they're transgender, and could possibly now be on puberty blockers that the parent knows nothing about. This is why you need laws, secondary backup laws in place to protect children. From this type of abuse that's taking place. She actually goes on, KIV does, 
actually to also sign into law um, a, a law that bans certain elementary school teachers from discussing gender identity and sexual orientation in school. But does that cover these art classes? See, they're very clever. And last hour, we talked about this brand of clothing that's being sold and Target stores collaborated with, with Target in which they're hiding and, and, and seek to hide from the parents that these chest binding garments, what they're designed to do. And they even have education to children on how they can hide that from their parents and tell their parents, oh, it's a sports bra. They know what they're doing to children. We've got a movement. There's a war against children in this country. If children can make it through the birth canal, then the next act of war is, well, actually, if they can make it through the birth canal, the next thing from the Democrats is, you know, how can they extend it, you know, now into 28 days, you know, the abortion game. And then if they can manage to make it past that, the Democrats are seeking to destroy their lives via recruitment into transgenderism. This isn't about helping a child feel safe in who they are. They're literally recruiting. When you're telling a child, if you're not 100% comfortable in your body, you're transgender. And as you said, most kids, you know, I don't think any child, male or female, is comfortable in their body 100% as they're growing up and going through puberty. No, I know so many friends of mine that are guys that um, were didn't uh, reach puberty, didn't reach their, their height, their full physical height till later in life. I know, I know a guy who's six one now who was five two or whatever until most of his high school and suddenly he sprouted up and he, t- and he's told me about how insecure he was or, or whatever. I mean, that, that's the kind of kid that would have been prey for this, right? Possibly prey for it. I also know other guys that, um, were the reverse and were incredibly uncomfortable and self-conscious because they reached puberty early and were 6'1 by the time they were in the 5th and 6th grade. I know girls that that hit puberty early and were incredibly ashamed of having a large chest early on. They would have been prime target and vulnerable to somebody coming to them and saying, oh, you're not comfortable with your large breast at 13 or or 12? How about you try one of these chest binders? It's just, it's so abusive and toxic and evil the way they're preying upon children and their vulnerabilities. They, this is, you know, how How many different ways can I say that this isn't about just making a child feel comfortable in who they are? It's about seeking. This is how abusers work, whether it's abusers of children, whether it's abusers of adults. It's about how can they and and narcissists are classic. They're fantastic at this about seeking out and finding what are vulnerabilities that they can exploit. Right. There's lots of Lotharios out there, you men, you men out there that know how to how to find these women that it might be incredibly beautiful, and you know that they might be insecure in one way, and that's how you suck us in, right? <laughs> um, but that's in the adult romantic realm, right? Um, preying upon children and fi- seeking out their vulnerabilities so that you can exploit them for power in this country. I just don't think it gets any worse than that. So hat tip to Kay Ivey. I think that makes, you know, if Bob Walters is right in terms of the education thing, banning this in schools, I think we're now at 15 states that are banning this kind of thing in schools. A lot of work, um, a lot of work to be done. But, but that's banning the education stuff. I don't think we've got more than a couple of states that are banning these puberty blockers. But let's end on a good note for tonight's show. So Elon Musk, I think the only there's only one other person as good at trolling the Democrats on Twitter as Donald Trump, and it's Elon Musk. He comes out and says today, 
You know what? I think I will overturn that ban of Trump on Twitter. I think I will. And heads immediately began exploding. I think Trump should come back to Twitter. Right now, he said he's going to stay in Truth Social. I think he should come back to Twitter. What do, do you, you think? know the mayhem that would ensue in a good way if that happened? Well, not to mention the fact that Truth Social is, is on the upswing. He had, I don't know, 100 million people following him on Twitter. It's a huge platform for him. And just to make the left miserable, Trump, we beg of you, please come back to Twitter as soon as the ban is lifted. I know. I can taste it. <laughs> See you tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Peace out. Come on.